Welcome to The Sunning Space. In this episode, we're going to talk about the concept of sacred space. Um, so the last few episodes, we've talked about public space and uh, what that means and how it fits within our gospel community structure. Then we talked about social space and how we gather together um, and share lives with each other and living as a family on a mission. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the concept of sacred space and how that kind of ties in. So we've had, uh, Ryan's been sharing with us how that fits with this idea of three rings and integrating rings and love and all that together. So Ryan, can you tell us how you see sacred space fitting into that? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> first off, sacred space is intentionally defined differently than the others because of, I mean, by its nature, it's sort of defined by its its size and um and the culture that that creates because of its size. So um, it doesn't mean successful sacred spaces of a particular size. It just means that uh, when we think of sacred space, we tend to think of groups that are maybe, you know, five, six, ten, twelve, maybe at the most people, uh, where you're intentionally talking uh, about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And you're you're not just talking about it, but you're kind of pushing and challenging each other in the ways of Jesus. You're, um, you know, you'd be reading the, the Bible together. You'd be praying together. You'd be sharing the things that are going on in your life. I mean, it's, it's basically like if you could imagine, hopefully the goal of a sacred space is if you could imagine the most kind of life-giving, intimate uh, groups that you've been a part of in terms of church that have been the most formative for you, um, they tend to be what we're talking about with sacred space, at least the goal, and that is to build like a sense of, um, you know, a sense of like camaraderie and a sense of like this is all focused in on Jesus, not so much focused in on the Bible. Um, the Bible is a tool for us to get to know Jesus, um, but it's not the only tool. I mean, praying over one another and um, con- confessing and, you know, all of those things that are just so part so much a part of the spiritual life, um, that is what sacred space is intended to cultivate. Now, the big thing is, the question is like, how? Like, what what do we do in order to cultivate that? And that's part of the, it's part of the things that it's hard to answer. Um, There's not a universal how to create sacred space. Uh, A lot of it has to do with um, the culture you create within the group, um, the way that people share, the way that they're honest with each other, the way that they um, go to the word for answers, the way that they push each other to think more like Jesus, the way that uh, the posture of being humble. And um, so there isn't just a one one thing that you can do, but but to know that that's the target. The target is like, is genuine, genuinely spiritual intimacy, um, something that you're not going to be having, um, you know, with your coworker at your workplace over over a lunch break. That that is spiritual. It's just not necessarily the same as the sacred space. It's not where it's intended, obviously, to focus in on time with Jesus, prayer, um, spiritual vulnerability, uh, those kinds of things. So so that's kind of what it is. Um, and how we get there is a little bit different. I don't know, Mark. How have you guys seen some of your sacred spaces that you've been a part of? What do they look like? Right. Yeah. Ours have been, uh, fairly diverse. So like one thing that, one thing that we, um, see when we kind of talk about doing sacred space is, um, it doesn't have to look the same for every person. So early on for our our particular group, we had to make a decision. Are we going to try to like get everyone together? Our group has tended to be like a little bit bigger. And so, and we all, in my group, we all have a lot of young kids. And so 
getting everyone together to do some kind of like big Bible study thing has, um, it's been difficult. It, it just seemed too difficult at the beginning to even try to explore that much. So um, what we did early on is we just, um, we wanted to make sure that everyone had an option. Because what we want is, you know, as we're talking about gospel community stuff, we want the gospel to be central. We want community um, to be prevalent. We want there to be a place for people to enter into the community and we didn't want it to be just about Bible studies. So we're really focusing on just connecting and relationships and everything else. But we obviously need that space where there's room to grow and there's intentional spiritual relationships there. So um, so we have, I, I led a 12 group um, all last year and I had invited all my guys into that. And so I had a couple guys from the group, a part of my 12 group. Another guy in my group had um, this sort of discipleship group that he was a part of and... Um, and a couple of the ladies, like one of them was doing nurture and she brought some people in. And so between between like all of us, we had um, almost everybody was involved in some sort of sacred space type of a gathering um, last year. And that's still true this year. Um, but they all looked a little bit different. And what I, what I like about the freedom of that is I feel like in the past when we do a thing new, it's like, let's all jump in and let's all do this the exact same way. What I like about this is it's not saying... Hey, by joining this group, you're committing to doing the exact same sort of Bible study thing. What we found is that everyone in our group, um, or almost everyone, had some sort of spiritual feeding that was working for them, that they liked, that they were committed to. And so we were able to sort of like honor that. Like, you're part of this thing. That's great. You're going to grow through that. We're not going to pretend like that's not an important part of your life. And we're going to still live as a community and sort of build on that foundation rather than replacing it. But that's just ours, and different groups have looked different, and um, and there is value in like getting everybody together to study a thing. And I feel like that's a little more how you guys have done your your. No, ours is uh, we're, ours is very similar to yours, actually. So, so we've uh, we early on realized like because of children and everything um, that we had to kind of operate our sacred spaces, men and women. So we have men's sacred spaces and women's, and the women's ones have been largely tied to nurture um, because Katie's so involved in nurture, and there's a group of our women who are involved in nurture. Um, so that's primarily where the this, the women's sacred spaces ha- have happened. But not only, because there's also been like um, gatherings that the women have done on their own where they've gotten together and prayed for one another and shared what's just going on in their lives. And they haven't necessarily opened up the Bible, but they've been intentionally spiritual and prayerful and um, kind of more intimate uh, with what's going on in their their own, um, like their own struggles and that kind of thing. And that hasn't happened in some formal program space, uh, but it is a direct result of gospel community. So there's that. For me, it's largely been the context of, uh, of men's discipleship through 12. Uh, and so, uh, like for instance, in our group... Um, it immediately started with maybe five of our guys. We were doing uh, 12 together. And and what that looks like is um, time spent where we're all sharing what's going on in our life. We're looking at something to do with Jesus' life. And then we're basically talking about the implications of it and praying for one another. That's essentially the rhythm that is. And it's at a Denny's early in the morning before guys go to work. That's what worked for us. Uh, and I think we've seen a lot of like... Um, it's, it's really the area where I've gotten to know what's going on in the hearts of the guys. And unfortunately, I mean, I'd say maybe a third of our guys in our gospel community can't join that for whatever reason. And, um, and I know that's been harder for them to connect because 
they don't have that sacred space time. Um, and so I think what's most important isn't necessarily what you do in sacred space, though before this podcast is done, we want to give you some things you can do for sacred space so that you feel like you're not just trying to figure it out on your own. But I want to say that like one of the most important parts of gospel community is to realize that we need to have sacred space, that it is, that it, no matter what it looks like mm-hmm. or what rhythm or program it falls into for you. So it could be every other week. It could be every week. Like my 12 group was every single week. And uh, it was every single week at 5.30 in the morning for an hour and a half. That's what we did and and still continue to do. Um, and so how it looks doesn't matter as much as that it's happening because right. because the social spaces will not adequately satisfy I think the need to be uh, deep and vulnerable and, um, you know, and like the guys who are in our gospel community that aren't in it, there's a couple where it's primarily a scheduling thing, but then there's a few where like, I don't know, I don't even know where they stand with Jesus and I don't know if they're interested yet, but it's a very natural next step that I'm looking at for like, how can I invite these guys from the social things that are right. so easily and willing to participate in? Like they'll go, they just went to the uh, the men's day that we just did for the, the sports thing. They'll do that. They'll come to our sushi nights. They'll they'll come and participate and have fun, but they're not going to show up at 530 for, uh, to talk about Jesus. But yeah. it's another step for them to do that. Um, and so it's so critical to have that. Otherwise, we're just really... Um, you know, we're, we're just hanging out, you know, like, um, and, and hoping that by loving people in our meal times that they're getting a full glimpse of Jesus. And I, I right. just don't think that's true, you know. Well, we talked on the last one about um, how social spaces, there can and should be a spiritual component to it. I mean, that doesn't mean you have to have a sermon or a Bible study or something right. as you gather to eat, but eating is a spiritual thing. I think that's, yep. that's one thing about um, calling these, these things, you know, public space, social space, sacred space. One pushback on that is that there's a sense in which anything can be sacred. Yep. It's it's yeah. treating it like it's a sacred thing that God's presence is there, that there's learning and growth there. Um, and so that's a great thing to recognize. And I find in our social gatherings, there's often really great spiritual conversations I have yep. with people yeah. there. Um, but we're just trying to acknowledge that there's, um, there's this extra invitation to say, hey, I love hanging out with you in these settings. But I, there's something more we could pursue together, and let's meet intentionally to um, to talk about what that is and how right. that looks. And one thing for me, as like a pastor that I've seen, is anytime we try to do something that's like across the board and a sort of like a one size fits all thing, is that it ends up not really hitting everybody in the same spot. And so we'll do a Bible study, and we'll try to take say all the men or all the women or something through a thing, and um, some people love it. There's other people that are like, this feels like just a typical academic Bible study. There, it doesn't feel challenging in terms of where I'm at. Or there'll be other ones that are saying like, this is this is too fluffy or this is too stale or, you know, and, and so inevitably people will say, I actually like this other, you know, Bible study fellowship or I like this inductive Bible study method or I love books by John Piper or something. And kind of everyone gets like, feels like they need a certain type of feeding in a different spot. And one thing I like about having sacred space be a little more, uh, there being freedom around it is rather than us saying, this is what every person needs in order to grow at Creekside. We're saying, uh, 
gospel community leaders as the shepherds try to make available some opportunities and just be shepherdy enough that you can lead people to some resources yeah. and acknowledge the things that people are already being attracted to and we're just making sure that everyone's right fed yeah i and i so i think our whole conversation to this point has been around um primarily the idea that sacred spaces are important and that there's a lot of freedom in how they are implemented and that not all of them are the same. Um, I want to say that I do think it's important if we ask ourselves, what is a successful sacred space and what is the goal of sacred spaces? Mm -hmm. And if the goal of sacred space is to create an environment where we are making more disciples of Jesus, then, uh, then then it's really critical to make sure that what we're doing in our sacred spaces isn't just sort of going through these religious patterns that we're used to. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not really convinced that book study after book study or Bible study after Bible study or even prayer group after prayer group is enough to really make disciples of Jesus. I mean, there's like so much that Jesus said and that he did and that he challenged us to do uh, that isn't satisfied in just simply uh, a Bible study uh, setting, you know? And so, um, or even that being said, I would I would venture to say that to be a disciple of Jesus, you really need to also be heavily focused on Jesus. Like who mm-hmm. who he is, what he says, what the gospel is, how to live the gospel out, like, and then return to it. Who is Jesus? What would Jesus do? How would he say it? Because that's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. is isn't to be a, a Bible scholar. That's right. That's different. Now, you need to understand the Bible, in order to understand Jesus, but but we're not trying to know everything the Bible says as much as we're trying to um, embody uh, embody Jesus to the world that we're that we're in. And I found for it's one of the main reasons we do twelve for our sacred space because it's it's all focused in on the Gospels. Um, and I've been doing I've been doing twelve for you know I think it's my fourth or fifth year now. And in doing that, like, that means that for four or five years, I've been getting up at 5.30 every Wednesday morning and talking with other men about Jesus. And uh, in that process, I feel like um, I never exhaust what I must learn from Jesus or the implications of, of Christ in my life today. And so whatever, whatever your sacred space looks like, um, you know, if you do choose to go through a book like, Crazy Love or the latest John Piper book or go through a Beth Moore study or, you know, um, something else, um, precepts, that's fine. And all of that is fine. And all of that has a place. Or even a marriage study. Sometimes people want to go through marriage studies. There's nothing wrong with all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do want to give the challenge towards, like, to be disciples of Jesus is to continually return to Jesus himself Mm -hmm. and to see him again and to... and then evaluate not just what we know about him, but like in what ways we we can embody him um, better. And some studies and some discussions and some books do that better than others, you know. So it's not always just about um, picking up the latest thing um, or even tickling our ears with the things that we love to hear. Yeah. Um, I th- just think I don't want to get too far away from the idea um, that Christ is sufficient for us, you know. And when we seem bored with him, maybe, 
maybe we're the problem, you know, not yeah. him. Um, so that's a part of it that I just want to kind of like say, I think is important if we're, if our sacred spaces are our avenue for discipleship, um, then we need to make sure that we're not, we're not just discipling ourselves in religious thought, but we're discipling ourselves in the ways of Jesus, you know. That's really good. I think, you know, because as we talk about freedom in it, I think we need to be careful to say there's some non-negotiable. Like we, right. I would, I would be fully prepared to say, without some version of sacred space that our gospel community approach is inadequate. Yep, absolutely. Um, we can't. We're not talking about just partying with people, though that has its inherent benefits. But we're saying there's got to be this in- intentional, uh, deeper step where we're saying, what does it look like for us to grow closer to Jesus? So, so what's that non-negotiable thing? I think maybe we're saying it's. It's intentional time where we're we are specifically asking ourselves who is Jesus and what does it look like for us to be close to him and be following him. Yeah. Is yeah. there anything you'd add to that? Is that well I would of- say, you know, um, you know, one of the reasons that I I even like wrote follow was to try to boil down some of the essentials yeah. of what it is to follow Jesus. Um, and so uh, if you think about I think most people who are listening to this have probably been through Fall or at least familiar with what it is. But um, but in it, there's just these these six verbs. And I think the verbs are important because they should be just like, I think if we're looking for evidence that our sacred spaces are healthy and happening, then you'll see these verbs happening. Um, the first is belief. And we'll start to see uh, where our beliefs, our belief, <laughs> our beliefs, our beliefs are being challenged by uh, by the beliefs and the teachings of Jesus. And so we have these beliefs, be- beliefs, <laughs> we have <laughs> beliefs, we have these beliefs and, and when we're engaging in the word or we're talking to other people who are centered around the teachings of Jesus, those beliefs are going to be challenged. And that will lead us to the next thing, which is repentance. And when you see people in your group repenting, like actually saying, I've sinned, this is sin for me, um, and I confess that this is sin, and I want you guys or you you girls to know that this is sin in my life, um, and I recognize it because of my lack of unbelief or the behavior I'm engaged in or whatever it is. That recognition of sin is huge. I mean, that's a huge part of sacred space. If all you're doing are talking about the interesting and inspiring things of Jesus, but no one's being led to confession of sin, yeah. then your sacred space isn't really like... It's not getting to the heart because there's all we all have sin. We just need to confess, and that doesn't mean the deepest, darkest, dirtiest secrets. Though if there are those, why not have right. them come out in sacred space? It's more like just the constant realization that I am totally caught up in the patterns of this world, and I need to keep recognizing it, confessing it, repenting, and returning back to belief. Um, and then I think there's the follow aspect, which is being very familiar with Jesus's life, and and that that to be with him is to be at his heels and learning from him. So I think that's the the component of um, of wanting our sacred spaces to be Jesus-centric. Uh, there's the um, share is the next verb. Uh, and I think that being a, a part of, uh, of a community means that you're like giving parts of yourself to that community. The early church 
was great in generosity. They would give their money, share their things. I think to be a part of this community of faith and to be a part of your gospel community and to be a part of your sacred space means you share your things. That if there's someone in the group who is going through a rough time, that your gospel community is pitching in, that they're helping out, that you're helping each other move, that you're watching each other's kids, that you're share, actually sharing life. And that will come out of sacred spaces. It will, I mean, it will come out of gospel community too, but it's important to return to how we're generous and sharing of our stuff. Um, remain is uh, one of the, 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 like the fifth verb. And remaining is like so important in sacred space. I cannot tell you how many times when someone's going through crisis, they pull away from Jesus. Like mm-hmm. it is actually crisis that causes them to step back and they don't, they're no longer engaged in the gospel community. They're, they're pulling out. And to be a part of a sacred space is to say, we remain here together. We remain rooted in Christ. We persevere in Christ when crisis comes. And we're constantly calling each other not to give up, you know. Um, and then the last part of that is, is multiply. And it's important that these sacred spaces not see themselves as something that is um, just like an end in of itself. Yeah. It is, uh, these sacred spaces are intended to multiply. And I think yeah. that's an important thing to understand with your whole gospel community and the sacred space is that to be a disciple of Jesus is to, in one way, be ministered by this system and by these believers, but then to recognize that success means you now go and lead others, mm-hmm. um, that that group not live. Uh, it's not a successful sacred space if it's just you and your friends for five years. It just yeah. isn't. It, it, yeah. it, it, you, haven't, you haven't reached the stage of multiplication where you're now saying, okay, we all know what's going on in each other's lives. Let's spread that love and life uh, to some others by starting two sacred spaces out of this group of one. And I've seen that health kind of come into our sacred spaces this year because 12 has this sort of natural replicating thing to it where um, Sean Trainer he's gone off from our group and started a group. Scott Marin's starting a group of 12 with his gospel community. Um, we have a group, some leaders in our gospel community are now stepping up into leadership. And so on year two of our sacred space, it look, it's a whole bunch of different people, yeah. actually, but it's actually multiplied out to multiple groups. And so I think that's a really important aspect of, of those things. So I just, I think those, those verbs, those six verbs and follow help you to just see some signs of like, this is what should be happening. And if I see these things happening in this group, then I know like, yeah, we're being like the church, man. I mean, this is what the church is intended to do. It's right. just a little glimpse of it. Well, and I think that that is an important piece of the multiplication piece. Often we think of a good Bible study as I need to learn about God, and it's a content-driven kind of a thing. Um, but if we're doing sacred space well, it should lead us into like renewed mission again. Like so, so when we're we can get stale and we can get complacent, but if we're doing good Bible study or good spiritual discussion, it should lead us not just to be better informed, but to lead us to be more impassioned for, oh yeah, this is what Jesus was all about. Like he was going to seek and save the lost. He was interacting with other people. And um, that's what we need uh, all the time. And it's as we're trying to lead people within our gospel communities well, um, they need a space where they're being reminded of the mission and why it matters. And not just being able to like, you know, lay out the theological argument of Romans or something, but like, what's the mission behind all of that? And then who are we looking at? And even like accountability, I think can mean like what heavy sin are you wrestling with or something? But I think accountability also means being able to just ask each other, like who have you been praying for recently? Who have you been reaching out to? And, um, 
Exactly. If we're really trying to be like Jesus, it's not going to be this constant introspective um, beating myself up over my sin all the time. Right. It, it means he was out pursuing things and uh, living a certain way, and our calling is to follow him in that. Right. And so being able to do that. And I, I guess one more thing to say on that is uh, sacred space, some of the flexibility with it is it can be this really structured thing. You could take something as heavily structured as something like 12 or follow, and it has clearly defined weeks and lessons, and you can do that. And that may be exactly what you need, and it could be a huge tool. But also, it doesn't have to be this massively structured thing. So just personally, I remember, Ryan, when uh, I first met you, was in college Mm -hmm. forever ago, and uh, you approached me as a freshman, and you were like a junior, I think, at the time, and you said, hey, would you want to meet every week and just talk through 1 Corinthians? And um, and I definitely didn't know what the heck I was doing. I assume you knew some of what you were doing. A little bit, yeah. And uh, <laughs> we would, I just remember we read a chapter of 1 Corinthians, and we sat down every week, and we just talked about, like, so what, like, stood out to you in here? And there was no big agenda, and it wasn't, like, yep. a lesson that you were teaching me. Right. But we'd both just share, like, what stood out to us, and I guarantee we weren't, like, exegeting it in, like, this really impressive thing. Yeah. There was like a ton of parts where we're like, I don't know what he's getting at there. Yeah. But we talked about it a little bit and we talked about what was going on in our lives. And I remember you being real vulnerable with me about like yeah. you were dating Katie at the time yeah. and you share some stuff about that. And I talk about dating Lauren. Yeah. Um, and that, that was like so impactful for me right. just because it was two people just being real with enough of a structure to like move us in a direction. Right. And enough of a calendar scheduling thing to not blow it off every week. But um, but it was just it was just what God used to kind of move us forward in our yeah. journey. Yeah, that's really good because that's that's super it's super important to just remember that it that sacred space does not have to be overwhelming. Um, it just is about it just is about like consistency over time, and it's about it's about vulnerability and like going to the word. And going to Jesus for like our discussion, like centering our discussion around him rather than around something, something else, you know? Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm, there are, in terms of like what people do in their sacred spaces, there's things across the board. There's uh, women who use the nurture groups as their sacred spaces. There's men who use 12 as sacred spaces. There's people who are, could do a book study, like not like a, a written book, but like Philippians or, you know, you could go through the book of 1 Corinthians and just each week you read a different chapter. Uh, there's people who are doing like books, like going through um, a particular written book by an author. And then there's other groups that are doing questions from the sermons. So the content can be any of those types of things mm-hmm. um, as, long as, the, as long as the discussion is centered around, you know, coming back to like what it means to be followers of Jesus. Um, and I think the real important part, like the three components, is that vulnerability, that truth being spoken in our lives, and and prayer for one another. You know, and those are kind of at the very minimum, like what is what kind of sparks a good a good sacred space. You know, that's good. So uh, before we end this, I want to ask you about um, uh, the story of God. Mm-hmm. So. Um, for me, when I think of discipleship and when I think of sacred space, I tend to think of believers who are already part of my group and just making right. sure they're being fed spiritually. But um, and I and I do think of the public space and the social space being these great um, spaces for non-Christians to kind of come in and 
belong, belonging, maybe leading to believing, giving them a space to kind of get to know people, build relationships. But I also realize, and I think what, what you've kind of stumbled into is like a great way where people are longing for something sacred and spiritual and in a more like relational investment too. So, um, so I'd just be curious to like for you to share like yeah your 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 process with story of God and how that's played out. Yeah, I mean it's a, that's exactly kind of the way that it is. I, I guess I would say, um, as someone who's been part of a church churches for a long time, there's these components that I've always kind of taken for granted. I come and I worship on Sunday. Um, nowadays I'm the one preaching, but it, but often, but I come and I like hear the word and I sing and, and that's really important. And then I would go and I'd be in like life groups or small groups in some form where I'm talking about the word and having this intimacy, um, uh, in some of those best groups. And I think what I was surprised to find years ago, uh, when we lived in our old house and we first started doing the story of God is that, um, you don't have to be in church to have that same longing for like intimacy, these same components, like these same components are there. Like people want to go do big social things and they want to be a part of, of uh, groups of people that like feel like they don't just have like one friend. They like to go to a party and not have a Super Bowl thing where they like have no friends to invite. Like they want to go to the big thing because the big thing feels this certain need of like feeling a part of something bigger. And having meals with people is something that makes it feel intimate. But what people really long for, and they don't even, like, no matter where someone's at, I feel like they long to discuss freely how they see spiritual things. Like, they really do, like, most people, at least a lot of people, I'll say, actually think about spiritual things. They just don't think there's an environment where they can, like, discuss those freely or openly, and a lot of people are interested in processing what they think about the Bible. They don't want you to tell them what you think they need to think, mm-hmm. but they're like more open to talk about what they think um, more than I more than I ever thought. And and it actually is very meaningful for them to have people who are actually listening to their spiritual thoughts. I mean, that's one thing you take yeah. for granted as someone who's in the church. There's constantly people asking me to share my spiritual thoughts, but like if you live in a world where you don't go to church, like who's ever asking you really, what do you think about God? And like, what are, what are the things that are right in this world? And what are the things that are wrong? And what is broken? And why is it broken? And you have thoughts on that. Like a lot of people have thoughts on that, but they never share it. And so the story of God, what's, it's correctly called the story formed way. I just always call it the story of God. But the story formed way is this little curriculum. It takes 10 weeks. And I have found that um, the minute I find somebody, either through social space or a kid's school or a neighbor or someone on a basketball team that we've gotten to know through our kids, the minute I find someone who seems interested in having spiritual discussion, that is the first sacred space that I would invite them to. Like I will create, Katie and I will create it no matter what we have to do, yeah. we will create it as, as quickly as we need to create it by, by starting like, hey, Let's try to meet next Monday, and if they can get together, we'll get together and we'll do this thing. Because I find it to be like one of the most profitable sacred spaces for someone who's exploring their faith in Jesus or, or on the fringe and, mm-hmm. or isn't indoctrinated in kind of to the church culture. Um, 
it's like the very first step that gives them a taste of having real discussion about real things. Uh, and I find it to be one of the most life-giving things that I do um, when we do it. So uh, we bend over backwards to try to make it happen um, whenever we've, and we've probably done it 15 times now, you know, with all these different people. And some of them come to Jesus and some of them haven't, but everyone has made strides in their like spiritual like understanding their perspectives on God, their knowledge of what Jesus is, what what the Bible is really asking of them, yeah. um, whether they respond or don't respond. I think they have a much clearer picture of the gospel, um, and we love it. So uh, I think the main thing with all of these spaces in gospel community is we just have to remember. I'm going to go back to this again and again and again. You have to have some sort of vehicle to invite somebody into if you're going to go somewhere. And so, like, if you're going to go on a journey, you have to have a way to get there. And so it can be that the vehicle is you saying, like it was when I was a junior in college and Mark was a freshman, the vehicle was, hey, let's go grab a meal every week at this time and we'll go through 1 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. But if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have grown closer um, and we wouldn't have grown, grown up together in that way. So this, that's true of all of these things. We have to have a vehicle for social gathering, that social space. We have to have a vehicle where we're actually becoming intentionally intimate and talking about um, spiritual things. Like the whole conversation is around spiritual things. We don't have to like first talk about sports. Like we can get down and we know why we're there. Yeah. Um, and that vehicle is a time, date, place, and something to talk about and a healthy culture of the way that we are when we're together. Um, and then, and then, like, if someone's not a believer, the vehicle is invite them to the story of God or go through the gospel of John with them. But whatever it is, the role of a gospel community leader is to look at human beings who walk into your life and say, what's the best vehicle for them? Yeah. That person, they just need to come to a social gathering. Like, I just bumped into them, met them at the basketball game. Invite them over to our house to join our next, you know, whatever thing that you guys do. That person, man, that person's asking questions. They need the story-formed way. I'm going to invite them into doing that. That person, that person's been a Christian for a long time, but has lost community. They've got to, I don't care if 530 seems early, they've got to join my group that meets at Denny's, you know? So that's what it is to be a gospel community leader, to see those spaces and to like see the need for people and to invite them into it. And then to create the space or recreate the space, depending on the needs of the group, you know? Right. And and you're your capacity and everything as a leader. I think you know, the word pastor means shepherd. And I feel like some, in some senses we've, because pastors in our culture preach sermons all the time, we kind of tend to equate yeah. pastoring with sermonizing. But the reality is, is that like, yeah, the go- our gospel community leaders are our shepherds in a very, very real sense. And it's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's looking at the people around you and saying, what, like, what do they need right now? What's the next step? And as we've, we've talked a bunch of times about, Mike Breen's invitation and challenge thing. You always want that invitation of come be part of my life, do this thing with me. And there's also the challenge of um, go do this, grow in this way, um, stop doing this, whatever it is. But um, and so I think it being a good shepherd as a gospel community leader is just every now and then just taking a mental stock of who's in your group. What are those faces that you see as you kind of gather and, and everything? And saying, what, is, what does each person need? Do they have what they need to be growing uh, and functioning as, as a member of the body of Christ and as a member of this family and pursuing this mission that we're all pursuing? And 
how do I connect them to that? So you, you as the gospel community leader don't have to d- be the teacher and leading everything, but, but we're asking you to be the one that makes sure that every soul that you are encountering there just has access to a next step. And every now and then a personal invite and a challenge to, to do that thing. Um, so we have on the website, um, there's a gospel community toolbox. So you can find it on our gospel community page under like the get involved and all that kind of stuff. Also, if you go up to the listen tab at the top where the podcast is on the website, um, there's a bunch of different resources and uh, the bottom one says gospel community toolbox. And there we've put together uh, just links to a bunch of resources. So follows on there. The story of God that we've been mentioning is on there. 12 that we've mentioned is on there. Um, and so there's a bunch of different resources and, and there's people that are writing um, weekly sermon discussion guides. So we there's plenty of tools and we want you to have access to those. You can go um, super low key, like we've been saying, and just talk about whatever's going on. You can utilize other things that we haven't listed. Um, but just the key is making sure that there's there's growth and there's movement. If we're not moving, then we're dead. And uh, and just trying to make sure that everyone has the next steps that they need to keep growing in their journey.